Hello and welcome to Plan Francisco, the new podcast that interviews the best and brightest financial planning professionals in the San Francisco Bay Area. I'm your host, Maxwell Schmitz. I need a plan, a magic key. Today, my guest is Kevin Sullivan of Connor Alexander and Sullivan. Kevin is a force. He's one of the great characters of our industry. He got started in the insurance business, drunk after a rugby game, and success ensued. You'll have no choice but to pay special attention to his thoughts around tech and the future of the insurance industry. It's truly an honor to be able to work with Kevin on a regular basis, and I know you'll enjoy this interview as much as I did. Kevin Sullivan, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, Max. Appreciate it. Of course. So why don't we kick things off? Just um, go ahead and tell the audience, what is it that you do? I am the guy that gets insurance off your desk such that you can get on with whatever you're trying to create in your business. Insurance is a four-letter word. People can't stand it. Uh, the paperwork is too expensive, too expensive. Uh, time it takes only to find out that something's not covered or whatever. I mean, the impression for insurance out there is not positive. I think we're like, you know, two dollars below these car salesmen. Try to make sure that gets off a business owner's desk. That way he can have the peace of mind to go create what they want to create um, and things like that. Secondly, life has its interruptions both in and out of the workplace. And if we're doing our job, Believe it or not, I don't make money when I sell the insurance. I make money when I settle a claim. That's the way I think about it. Mm. So the second part of our, you know, we all know that insurance is a four-letter word, but if we can uninterrupt life's interruptions through the use of proper insurance, doing it right the first time, then that just adds to the peace of mind of our clients. They give us more referrals, and boom, we, we go to our business. Amen. That's essentially our plan and our vision. I love it. I love it. So can you tell us a little more about the composition of your practice? What product lines are you working in and and what's what's the vision, some of the demographics that you're you're out to get? I am a rugby player. I've been playing rugby since I was uh, seven years old. Uh, my father was from Ireland and it was the sport that he played, therefore that's the sport I played. I was drunk in a bar. Uh, 14 years ago uh, after a rugby match and was looking for something to do and one of my teammates said uh, you should sell health insurance to rugby players uh, you'd make a killing and the reason he said that is I had just finished a website designed for a dental plan so I didn't know anything about insurance I just knew how to build websites and that was in that first dot com way I don't know what possessed me, but the next day I got online, figured out how to get a license, and launched a business, and I ended up just servicing the rugby community, and it turned into health insurance, but then they always asked me about their businesses, and they asked me about their cars, and their boats, and their vacation homes, and it snowballed a, a good bit, but then all of a sudden narrowed recently with the changes in the healthcare laws, which I'm sure we're going to get to. Uh, my bread and butter are contractors. Uh, somebody does something physical, everything from a restaurant, tile guy, electrician, concrete guy, uh, terrible employees. Mm-hmm. And now with the boom of tech, which, you know, when we were fapping on the phone before we started recording, how tech is radically changing all industries, I found myself about 15% of my book is now on the tech field as well. 
Wow. Because uh, I'm always looking for ways to use tech to make, like I said uh, earlier, to make insurance not a four-letter word, mm-hmm. and also to to stop those interruptions in a business person's uh, life, such that she can focus on what she's trying to create in that business. I figured I was just going to sell health insurance to rugby players because that was the, the context of the conversation was in that bar was, okay, how many of you guys are playing rugby without health insurance? <laughs> and eight out of ten of my teammates said, none, zero, They're playing rugby without health insurance. That is crazy. This is mind-blowing. <laughs> um, so I, did, I took the 52-hour class. I just happened to be you know, very, very lucky that I had the time, money, freedom to do that. Took the test, mm-hmm. passed and got all lines, accident, health, property, and casualty. Oh, nice. Didn't know what the heck I was doing. So I called Blue Shield broker hotline something because this is before you could do anything on the web, put on the list, still fax numbers. And I, I said, hey, I want to start selling uh, Blue Shield health insurance. What do I need? And the guy answers, uh, his name is uh, Tommy Thompson. He's still in business. Yeah, I think he's over at Anthem now. He said, well, what's your E&O carrier? And I said, what's E&O? <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. So Thompson was really cool. He said, okay, call these guys in Florida. They'll set you up with uh, emissions insurance so that you can start selling for Blue Shield and la, 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 la. And I, I, I built a website and found out from the Department of Insurance that I had to, like, let them know about that. Yeah. Totally didn't for the first year and a half that I was in business. And yeah, I mean, I every mistake, every every possible mistake that I could have made in the insurance business, other than fraud, knock on for Micah, I committed. I mean, the Department of Insurance probably has like a a poster of me on the wall, like how not to start an insurance business in my picture. Well, it's bootstrap. uh, It's bootstrap. That's what I love about the story so much. That's awesome. Yeah, I totally bootstrapped it. So we had 1,500 customers, health insurance customers, in the first 18 months of business, hmm. uh, just in California. We blew up. And that's when the PNC side kicked in. There was a lot of conversations about businesses, a lot of conversations about um, secondary properties. You know, the things that the immediate insurance commercial world doesn't talk about. You'll never hear or see a progressive commercial about vacation homes. Mm-hmm. You'll never hear a Geico commercial about your small business. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't exist. Right. It requires so much more hands-on. You can't do it in a 15-minute right. phone call. Right, exactly. So okay. that's, that's, how, that's how it snowballed. And then, we, you know, I found you. You know, how did I find DI and LTC or your, your company? And this goes to your mom. Mm-hmm. I was married. I'm married again, but I was married once before I got married again. And she was Denise did her residency in anesthesia at UCSF. Mm-hmm. And in the third year of residency, it's typically the time when they buy their disability insurance because of the advantages that the law provides uh, you know, medical students at that time. And so there they are, these, these 50-some-odd uh, medical students, uh, graduate, actually uh, medical residents, about to graduate, and they're told, you need to go buy disability insurance, but whatever you do, don't talk to any of those big carriers. All those guys are just evil. Um, so they just stared in the face. What do we do? And I'll never forget this. Dr. Miller, uh, who was the head of the uh, anesthesia department up at UTSF, uh, called on my ex-wife. Said, Denise, isn't your husband an insurance broker? And he has met me once at some 
cocktail party for graduation, like literally a week before. Mm-hmm. And Denise said, yeah, it is. All right, everyone, buy your disability from him. He probably won't rip you off. <laughs> that's awesome. And, and so then I was like, I got literally five or six people called me the, that night. So the internet was kind of out there, and I literally typed in Disability Insurance California and this little company up in San Rafael called DI and LTC as part of the Plus Group came up. It was number one at the top. Look at that. I, I introduced myself, hi, Diana, my name's Kevin Sullivan, I'm a insurance broker, near the business, I have a bunch of anesthesia residents down here at UCSF that need disability insurance. What disability insurance, and where do I, what do I do now? Like, where do I go? <laughs> and she was that is like, cool. And so she's like, okay, what, we need this, this, and then we filed the forms, and I remember back in those days, uh, in 07, she couldn't email me the PDFs because it didn't exist. Mm-hmm. So she sent me packets in the mail, oh my right? Gosh. Uh, I filled it all out, and I got the apps done, and, you know, we built that program through Standard. Right, I mean, guarantee that's how, issue. That's how it all started, dude. Um, yeah. You know, a clueless idiot rugby player who just tells people he can figure stuff out and then go figure stuff out. But it also follows such a such a... Um, such a well-worn pattern in a sense because, you know, what I'm seeing is, you know, you have an idea, you have such fixed determination that it just, it comes to fruition every time, which is what I think is so attractive in working with you is you, you just get things done with uh, with your clients. So, it's awesome. I, I, you know, the funny thing is of, of all the business aspects I've been in from the health insurance side, disability, general liability for contractors, workers' comp, all that stuff, the most consistent checks I have ever gotten was from PI. That's awesome. Yeah, persistency. I mean, it yeah, says, says a lot about you, too, though, because, you know, that's, okay. it says a lot about you, too, and your, and your, the way you work with your clients, I'd say, because that means they're, they're keeping it on the books and they're happy with the service that they've gotten. Yeah, and uh, I don't know if you... It's uh, one of the things that I really connected with your mom and your dad about, because uh, then your dad gave me the, you know, basically the four one one and how PI works. And I still do the um, the money you pay, the money you get, in the rules. You know, mm-hmm. little triangle your dad does on a napkin. Sure, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I still do that. That's awesome. I still use it, and I use it for all insurance now. Oh yeah, because uh, it's true. Because it's true for every insurance policy out there. So uh, kudos to Jack for teaching me that because I've been using it literally for fourteen years. <laughs> um, totally love that. And so I should. I think I gave Jack credit the first three times, and after that, I pretended it was my idea. Oh yeah, no, that's the way it goes. Yeah. Sorry, Jack. Don't get. <laughs> um, but yeah, cool. it wasn't for you guys up there. You know, so patient and everything else. Uh, you know, I, you know, I wouldn't be here. It's literally. So switching gears a little bit, uh, I just want to get a sense for what your favorite part of this business is and, and, and ultimately, you know, why you keep sticking with it and why you keep reinventing it. Like I said, insurance is a four-letter word, and right. I don't know why I can do this, but for some weird reason, I can read an insurance contract or a policy and, and translate it into English. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I don't know where that talent came from. It could be some sort of aberration or mutation in the genetic code. <laughs> but um, it's going to sound strange. I know there's a lot of people out there. Find out what your passion is and be you know that follow your passion. And I kind of don't like that advice. What I did I think of myself as an insurance broker 15 years ago? Heck no, no way. <laughs> um, but probably the best thing about this business is you do it right, your clients stay with you, you get to watch them grow, they watch you grow, and you build something together. Right. That's cool. Um, I mean, one of, my, one of my best clients is a guy named Jared Gross. He was an administrative assistant at CBS Interactive. And he noticed that they had a big problem getting rid of their electronic waste, old cell phones, Blackberries, old laptops, computers, stuff like that. They didn't know what to do with it. They had all these rules, especially because of all the, the precious metals inside. So he took it upon himself one weekend to figure out, oh wow, you can actually make a little extra money recycling electronics. Hmm. So he goes to his boss at CBS Interactive, which happened to be the head honcho and say, hey, I know you guys are having a hard time at the physical plant downstairs with all this electronic waste. Do you mind if I take it off your hands for free and I'll take care of it, I'll do it. Hmm. And I play rugby with Jared. And the, the CEO, who, you know, this is his administrative assistant, right? Jared was a coffee fetcher for God's sake. <laughs> and, and so he says to Jared, sure. Sure, Jared, if you want to take all the electronic waste from us, that's fine. Um, let me find out. All of a sudden, Jared ends up with this 35-page waste management contract from um, the CFO of CBS Interactive, and it was Greek to him, right? Yeah. So I take a look at it, and I figured out what the insurance sections were. I got online, found a policy through a company called USLI, Sold it to him. It was back then, it was 350 bucks a year. I made 10%, so I made $35 on this sale. Woohoo! And um, boom, he was now an electronics recycling company based out of Vallejo, California. <laughs> and he went up there with his, uh, his car, and over the course of a weekend, about 50 trips, he moved all the electronic stuff out of CBS Interactive and into his house in Blago. Oh, wow. That was, that was 12 years ago. He now has four warehouses, one in L.A., three in the Bay Area. He serves his multi-million dollar co contracts. He's got 15 vans, about 38 employees. Wow. And he does nothing but electronic waste. Now, obviously, he's spending a heck of a lot more than 350 bucks a year on insurance. <laughs> um... But, uh, yeah, watching, I didn't know what the hell was going on. I didn't know that you needed insurance to pick up garbage, because you do, I guess. And, uh, yeah, that's just one of the best stories ever, because now he's, he's a millionaire. That's amazing. So, pivoting again a little bit, um, just want to see what kind of solutions that you are providing to some of your clients most common mistakes I mean and this can be kind of broad this could be as broad or as specific as you want to get but just within the health or PNC or even the personal insurance space what what patterns are you seeing where you know your clients are often seeking your advice one, one big thing is I, 
business, you and I talk about this all the time. The business owner, she never understands that she is her greatest asset. Amen. Yeah. It's, it's mind-boggling to me. Um, you call it intellectual capital. You can call it industry expertise. Um, there is um, a there's an aspect of that business owner that you can't define. It's kind of like the flavor of umami. Mm-hmm. Right? There's salty, there's sweet, there's tart, right? There's all the flavors that we can define and we can, you know. But umami has this weird, you know, it's, it's undefinable, right? But yet, without umami, food isn't that good. Mm. Um, Great she analogy. has that. She's got that thing where whatever it is she's into, uh, whether she's a general contractor, whether she's an anesthesiologist, whether she's a bloody florist, I mean, who knows, right? Right, right? But she's got something that people immediately think, wow, I want to get my flowers from her. I want her to build my house. I want to go to that restaurant, you know? Yeah. And the business always forgets to protect themselves as an asset. And by doing so, they ignore the details of insurance. So go back to the four-letter word analogy. They want the cheapest piece of paper just to get it off their desk, right? Give me a cheap piece of paper so I can have insurance, so I can get on to making my widgets. Yep. And it's a self-perpetuating evil, which means, okay, you buy the cheap insurance from the cheap guy, something bad happens, life gets interrupted, you file a claim, you realize that interruption is not going to and you get uninterrupted, and it's going to bleed into other aspects of your life. You're ticked off because insurance didn't do what you thought it was going to do, even though you did buy the cheapest thing out there because you thought all insurance was a four-letter word. It ends up being a four-letter word, and bang, you've just reinforced this idea that all insurance is crap, I hate them, and now I'm stuck. Right. Flip that over, and you've got to say to the business owner, Susan, you are it, okay? And so we need to protect what you are. Yeah. Um, and so that comes in many forms. Is it your ability to make money? Is it your general liability? Is it the property? You know, that's when you start getting, diving into the funness mm. of what she does. I was just going to comment. It's such an empowering message. I wish more people would kind of take heed and think about it like that because they are – the center of their own universe, in a sense, and who knows what happens if, uh, if you know, that star flames out. Right. The irony is that, you know, a lot of anti-capitalists believe that business owners are evil, and the irony is that most business owners are trying to help other people at the sacrifice of themselves. There you go. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's just one of the white soul yin-yang things. Um, mm-hmm. But it's cool. It's fun because then you get to learn about. I mean, I've got the craziest. I got, like I said, Jared, the electronics recycler. I've got Michelin star restaurants. I've got electricians. I've got tile guys, construction companies, lumber companies, pest control. I have elderly care. I have the tech space. I have ride share companies. I've got motorcycle economy, sharing economy gigs. I mean, it's just it's crazy. Some of the clients that I have and. You get to sit there and figure out, what is it? Have you made money doing that? That's awesome. <laughs> That's a perfect segue. Perfect segue, because I wanted to get your thoughts, obviously, on where you think our industry is going in the next five to ten years. And I'd love to hear it through that lens of which the other environmental factors that are changing around us, too. Yeah, 
here's what's going to happen in the next 10 years with insurance. The underwriting and claims process are going to go to what they call a smart contract. Mm-hmm. And you can call that blockchain, you can call that uh, you know, AI, digital yeah. currency, whatever, whatever goofiness you want to deal with. Sure. Uh, that, that process, especially in the claims space, it's going to be digitized. There's going to be a lot of people in the industry that are about to lose their jobs. And it's kind of fortuitous because the average age of a person in insurance is 57, so they kind of want to lose anyway. <laughs> two, two, that doesn't remove the broker. In fact, I think the broker is going to become more important mm-hmm. because the business, the business industry is still changing so fast that our industrial-style insurance world hasn't caught up yet. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea being we've got, a, we've got a system based on a very manufacturing factory model of the economy. Mm-hmm. Go to school, get your degree, get a job, work there for 30 years, get your pension, blah, 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 blah right? Yeah. So after you get out of school, you get married, you buy a house, you have a couple kids, they go to college, and you kind of have this, this mill, right? Mm-hmm. It's churning milk. And even within that even mill, co- you have the different stations and departments and things like that that you kind of move along to as well. And not right. not in a good way, you know. It, it's sort of that assembly yeah. line, Henry Ford style of thinking. Sort of like, you know, you, talk, you hear a lot about education reform these days and, and reinventing that assembly line classroom. I think insurance carriers are, are ripe for that disruption too. Yeah, they are. Will the products change? No. It's, that's the irony of insurance. Someone asked me, you know, do you really think that in the insurance world will be able to handle autonomous vehicles, mm-hmm. like robot cars? Mm-hmm. And I try to explain to them, insurance for shipping and transportation is the original form of insurance. Right. It was covering boat captains crossing the Mediterranean with grain from Egypt and oil from Greece and pottery from Carthage and, mm-hmm. and, and, and. and. Silver from the mines of Spain. Mm-hmm. I mean, so insurance, transportation, and goods is ten thousand years old. So you just replace a square sail boat with a robot car. So what? We'll figure it out. <laughs> um, that's. I mean, that's easy. That's not the hard part. Yeah. The hard part is the entrenchment. The hard part is the old way of thinking. You know, the worst thing you could ever hear is, "Well, that's how we've always done it." Right. Exactly. You hear that? You're dead. Is dead in the water. Like you're, you're so gone, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. But that's beside the point. And back to the business owner, as business owners increase, and you know, the gig economy, the number of independent contractors in 1980 was about 5% of the workforce. Now it's over 30. Oh, wow. Uh, the fastest growing aspect of independent contractors, and an independent contractor is a business owner. That's another problem with our industry, is that we think that independent contractors are not businesses. We're not thinking of the independent contractor as their greatest asset. Mm-hmm. But we can get to that later. Uh, it's women. Like, you know, women, are, women are going to be the entrepreneurs of the future. And that's going to that's gonna weather all the storms going forward. Now that the industrial side education has started to fall apart, people leaving college without the skills to, to make it in the world, you're going to see massive upticks in entrepreneurialism, independent contractors, and it's going to be dominated by women, period. Yeah. So what opportunities and challenges are you most looking forward to considering that wave ahead of us? 
we've got to do the types of processes. So let's talk about our industry first, and then we'll talk about the, the client second. Our industry has to understand that the internet invented by Al Gore is not going away. Um, things need to be digitized, convenient. If you can get it into a fillable PDF with a digital signature, if you can get it as an app on your phone or a quick click website, that's going to make things great. That's the kind of stuff that we need to get to now. Mm-hmm. The old style of filling out forms, getting wet signatures, scanning and emailing. I mean, there are certain carriers out there that you still have to fax stuff, dude. They're like, what? <laughs> fax? You know, the first fax machine was sold in the early 70s. So, you know, I mean, it's like, come on, wake up. Yeah. Uh, so our industry needs to digitize, but they're, they're screwed. They're, they're, they've got these legacy systems by, and I, I was talking to um, a PNC company, Travelers, which everyone has heard of Travelers. They, they realized that things are moving so fast, by the time they upgrade a certain aspect of their systems, there's, they're already two, the internet's already two more steps ahead. Right. So they're, they're, they're trapped in this constant, like, you know, gerbil race on the on the merry-go-round, and that's one of the challenges they're facing right now. It's going to take disruptors like me and you to bridge tech with the industry. That's mm-hmm. that's our job. Is to get because there's cynicism on both sides. The insurance world thinks, ah, oh, the tech stuff's crap. They just, you know, they know what they're doing. You know, look at benefits. They've totally blown up the industry. Mm-hmm. The tech guys, like, these are a bunch of old white men. They don't know what they're doing. They're so slow. They don't want to change. Mm-hmm. And so there's cynicism on both sides, and it's going to take guys like me and you. It's going to take, um, and you know me, I'm a bit P, uh, you know, non-PC. There are no women of color or Asian women insurance brokers out there right now in the Bay Area mm-hmm. that are connecting these types of uh, industries. Mm. And if anyone out there listening wants to learn how to do that, I guarantee you that young lady or that woman of color would be a millionaire in under three years. That's awesome. Under three years. Yeah. No, no, no questions asked. Anyway, so that, that's what our industry has to do. It's got to digitize. It's got to understand that the internet is, you know, it's pretty cool. Um, on the business owner side, where we're seeing is with the, you know, the, the growing gig economy, the growing of independent contractors, the growing of entrepreneurship is that their mindset has to be they are the asset that needs protected. That's a really hard conversation to have. Because yeah. remember, all entrepreneurs are immortal, invincible, and infallible. Until. Until. <laughs> um, to, to quote Getty Lee of Rush, we are all immortal for a limited time. So, <laughs> I love that. Yeah, uh, and, and that's one of the things, you know. Um, one, of, one of the great political philosophers of our time passed away yesterday, and that is Charles Krauthammer. And I'm paraphrasing him, but he basically said, we are all one moment away from that life-ending or life-altering event. Mm-hmm. And if we happen to survive that life-altering event, and if you remember Charles Krauthammer at the age of 22 broke his neck in a swimming pool dive and was paralyzed for life. Oh, I didn't know that. And he came back with a roar. Yeah, he was in medical school, broke his neck in a diving accident, and finished medical school on time from a hospital bed. Wow. 
Yeah. So he talked about this, like, you know, you, we are all one life moment away from something inalterable. And our ability to recover from that event will define the value of our life. So how do you explain that to a business owner who's got a vision, you know, you know, Chelsea has this idea and she's going to run with it and nothing's going to stop her. Absolutely true. we got to get behind Chelsea 100% until Chelsea's stop dies. Mm-hmm. Chelsea breaks her neck in a, in a diving accident or an employee, a key employee passes away or gets in a car wreck. Absolutely. Or a hurricane, or, 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 you know? Mm-hmm. Um, to use a Dungeons and Dragons analogy, every once in a while, you're going to end up rolling the one. And when you roll that one, that's, that's bad. <laughs> oh, man. So, it, it, yeah, in the industry, so they're going to have to understand as we become, as individuals become more and more responsible for what happens to us, Understand that we, that the business owner is their own best asset. It's going to be a big leap. That's going to be a, a mind change. So, do you think a business owner? I mean, thinking about it in a slightly different way, do you think they have an obligation to not just themselves, but maybe their families and their employees and everybody as well to to be thinking about this sort of thing? And if so, I mean, is that is that something that you challenge them to to consider? Yes, because remember, the business owner, the independent contractor, the, the white-collar professional would never buy insurance for themselves. Mm, great point. So the, the, the way I approach it, like, you don't buy life insurance for you. You're dead. You're dead like disco. <laughs> you buy life insurance to protect the people you love. You don't buy disability insurance because you want to, you know, have a mental nervous breakdown and live in a funny farm the rest of your life. No, you buy disability insurance so that you don't become a burden for somebody else. Right. You don't buy general liability because you need a piece of paper to satisfy the government. You buy general liability because some Egypt might sue you for no apparent reason right. and you need to protect everything you've built. Yep. You know, and as you're teaching me about long-term care insurance, you know, the way I'm starting to approach long-term care insurance is you are going to need some form of care. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. You're going to age. And sadly, you're not going to die. You're going to linger, okay? Mm-hmm. And, yes, you're independent somewhat. But there's going to be a time when you can't get up and down those stairs. There's going to be a time when lifting that kettle off that stove could literally break your wrist. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with you. Mentally, you're sharp as a tack. Mm-hmm. But there's going to be, you're going to need some help. The government doesn't pay for stuff like that. Right. Right. I want to be respectful of your time, but also would love to dive into yeah. where you see, you know, the political um, environment changing in our field as well. You know, we sort of talked on the technology wave, but certainly that's not the only influencing aspect of the current state of affairs. So do you, how do you want to broach that subject? Do you want to just dive right in, single-payer conversation? I'm dive right in. All right. Um, this is not a political statement. Uh, I, am, I am one of those tinfoil hat wearing libertarians who believe that the satellites are trying to read my mind. So that's where I'm coming from. 
uh, a deregulated universal the utopia, which I realized we will never, ever, ever, ever have. <laughs> so, that being said. You're crushing my dream. I will adjust. Let me adjust my tinfoil hat and let me dive in. Okay, so it's, uh, Obamacare came down. And it is what it is. It, it drastically changed the health insurance landscape of this country. It was a house of cards before Obama came in and he kicked that house of cards over. Right. In the long run, that could be very, very positive. I agree. Um, we can talk about if. It's kind of like Monday morning quarterbacking. We could obviously talk about the game on Sunday all we want, but the game's over, right? Right. You know, Team X won and Team Y lost, and that's just the way it is. Mm -hmm. So what happened next? Well, then the next guy came in, and he decided to turn that apple cart over again. That's fine. We shall see where it goes from here. What do we need to do in terms of government compliance? What do we need to do in case of government regulations? State of California changed the definition of an employee. You saw that. You probably got the email yep. yesterday, right? That That's big, it. long PDF. And you and I are going to be scheduled some time to sit down and kind of pull that apart. Absolutely. First thing I thought of was, does that mean the soccer referee at the local amateur soccer league who gets $30 on Saturday to referee a game, he needs workers' comp now by definition. Oh, man. Holy cow, right? That's a huge expense. Todd taught love soccer, and he doesn't mind putting his time in, and he goes to the goofy soccer referee conferences and does his continuing education online, and the real reason he left high school soccer is so that he doesn't turn into a big, fat sack of bloom. <laughs> um, you know, keep, you know, running around with a bunch of kids, keeping young. Right. Boom. Yeah. Now he needs, now he needs workers' comp. So that means all the amateur sports leagues, I'm sure, and I'm telling you, I do a lot of amateur sports. Mm. Uh, it's one of the ends I use to market to contractors and business owners. Mm-hmm. All those reps, all those paid coaches. Now, here's another crazy thought. Let's say you pay your coach $1,000 a season. What's that? It's gas money. Couple, couple burgers at Carl Jr. I mean, the guy's not making money. You know, he's not getting rich off it. But you're saying, hey, thanks, coach. Here's a thousand dollars. Right. He needs to work as cop now. Oh my gosh. And not at clerical rates. He's got workers' comp rates comparable. Yeah, you know, it's gonna be. He's physical. Right. He's running around. Right. It, that, is, that is just from that one change. Just that niche. I'm not even talking about gig economy, Lyft, Uber, Handy. Task rabbit guys. I'm not talking about Susan, who is a subcontractor uh, for uh, an accounting agency at an actuarial. I'm not even going to go into the construction world, where is the subcontractor integral to my business or not integral to my business? Do they need independent? I mean, I haven't even gotten into that. I really thought of the impact of a guy who makes $30 on Saturday refereeing an under-15 soccer game. Mm-hmm. That's gigantic. Yeah, wow. So basically, all these amateur sports leagues just doubled in price or more. Correct. To cover Correct. all the workers' comp. Now, that's, that's government regulation. California is a very consumer-friendly state. They lean towards protecting the individual from the big evil insurance companies, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, duh. If we can find solutions in California, and this is the kind of fun, I think of this, uh, of California as the proving grounds, if you will. This is where we learn and hone our skills 
for the battle. Because if we can make it in California, we can make it anywhere. It used to be New York. Technically, yeah, New York is crazy insurance-wise regulations as um, Cali, but we live here, so that's the way it is. Uh, as California changes its definition of employee, will they backtrack? You bet you they'll backtrack. Mm. And they'll change this. And then another you know, DOI guy will get elected, and he'll change it. And then the next guy, and then the next guy. What do we do? That goes back to the um, the President Obama and the following president after him. That White House is going to change. Yep. It's just the way it is. What do we do? We need to do two things. One, stay on top of these regulations because they have a massive impact for our insurance. Mm-hmm. Two, don't be afraid to literally call the DOI. It sounds insane to all the insurance brokers out there. I'm Bob the insurance broker. I'm Susie the insurance agent at Allstate. They are never going to take my call. They don't care. Mm -hmm. Yes, they will. They absolutely will. You're on the front lines, and you've got to understand what the heck's going on. Um, And they need the feedback. Mm -hmm. No? Totally. That's the way it is. So the, the government regulation that's never going to change, you know, government regulation has been with us since day one. They're going to change stuff. We need to adapt. Can we ever anticipate what they're going to do? Heck no. <laughs> There's a lot of writing on the wall in the, in the health insurance world, though. Okay, so association plans are back January 1, 2019 for now. Right. Right? Right. Um... You know, the gig economy is not going anywhere. They're going to wrestle with that definition of an employee. My guess is they're going to come up with a hybrid definition of some sort, right? Mm-hmm. They're going to cut a deal. The lobbyists are probably already up in Sacramento cutting checks. Follow the money, right? Yep. The insurance world loves to sell insurance. You know, that's their job, right? The insurance world wants to sell more insurance. They don't necessarily want to pay claims, and that's another discussion. <laughs> but um, they sure are very happy to provide more insurance. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they stood to gain the most after the ACA was approved, right? Just by nature of the fact that everybody had to buy individual health insurance all of a sudden. Sure, but they were also told by the federal government that the money would flow to cover the difference between sick people and, and healthy people. Right. And then the next administration came in and said, no, we, we might not send you those subsidies. Sorry. Right, oh, right. and then we're going to take away the uh, pre-existing condition. And, uh, no, we're not going to take away the pre-existing condition mandate. We're going to take away the have-to-buy-it mandate. Mm-hmm. And so Systematically dismantling. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, they got completely hosed. Um, you, you made a deal with the government. That's your own fault. <laughs> There's an interesting story about the government. And remember Exxon Valdez? Of course, yeah. Oil still in Alaska? Yeah, oil still in Alaska. Worse in history until that um, platform blew up in the Gulf, right? right. Yeah. So the president of the United States was George Bush Sr. Mm-hmm. And he called up the CEO of Exxon and he said, hey, you, you guys need to clean that up. And the CEO of Exxon says, no, I don't. And said, Wait, I'm the, I'm the president of the United States. I said, yeah, well, I'm the president of Exxon, and you're gone in two years. <laughs> oh, my God. That's scary. Now, I mean, that's anecdotal. It may or may not have gone down that way. Right. But that was the gist of it. There's the a lesson in was, there. 
I don't have to do anything at all. You're going to come up here and clean it because you're the government, and we will go on our merry way because we're bigger than you are. You know, look at the, the, the crisis of 2008, 2009. Read the big short. Oh, you know, yeah. Follow the money and understand that you know, big corporations and AIG, one of the biggest corporations in the world, got the bailout and is right back in business. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's one of the things when it comes to the government, yeah, they're going to create some hurdles, but guys like me and you and young ladies and young men moving into the insurance business will be nimble and quick to jump over those hurdles to continue to serve our customers. That's the name of the game. Fascinating, fascinating conversation. Is there anything you want to close out with um, before we before we get your contact info for the listeners? Um, yeah, um, thank you very much, GNI LBC and the Plus Group for having me on. Um, sure. I'm a bit of a windbag, so it's very patient that you know let me ramble. <laughs> I love it. I want to encourage. I'm going to go back and say it again. Any young person under 35, especially a woman of color who wants to get into the insurance industry, please contact me. It is life for innovation, disruption, and destruction. Mm-hmm. And you have the tools beyond anything that I do to make those positive changes. The opportunity in our industry has never been, I know that's such a bloody cliche, has never been better, but it's, it's absolutely true. We are not dying, we are actually expanding awesome well kevin how do you how do you want people to get in touch with you uh pretty simple you can find me on my website uh consulinsurance.com c-o-n-x-u-l insurance.com think of the consul of rome check on the word insurance.com all my contact information is on there Perfect. uh email phone number stuff like that yeah i am open to having a beer or a cup of coffee with just about anybody and on that note, thank you so much. Appreciate all your thoughts and, you know, just everything you do for the industry, making it better. Uh, it's really fun to work with you. Appreciate it. Oh, thank you, Max. Thanks for everything you guys do for us. Appreciate it. And thanks for coming to Plan Francisco. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed. Please be sure to subscribe and visit us again soon here at Plan Francisco.